Starbright Project, a headcast network podcast about one of the greatest TV shows ever created, Quantum Leap. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Moss. I have been a Quantum Leap fan since uh, 1989. I discovered Quantum Leap through my mother. I was in my room at the time when my mom came in and told me there was a show that I needed to watch since it was about time travel. So I turned on NBC and settled in to watch my first episode. Man, I was hooked. Watched every episode. I rewatched it when it was re-aired on the USA Network and then later on other channels. Joining me is my wife and co-host, Michelle Moss. Hello. Unlike Mr. TV... Hey, I resemble that. I can't say that I had the same experience. I may have seen two, three episodes, and what I did see, I thoroughly did enjoy. When I met Aaron, it was one of those moments that surprised him when I told him that I actually knew of the show. Though, I didn't tell him how little I had actually seen. Here it is 14 years later, and now I'm watching each episode in order, one by one, as if it was a new primetime TV show, and I truly am excited. I do hope my inexperience will bring some nostalgia back to some of the old fans as I relive some of the mysteries and ask some questions you may have once asked back when you took your first leap with Sam and the rest of the Star Bright Project crew. Join us monthly as Michelle and I settle in and watch the entire run of Quantum Leap. I'm the Quantum Leap, I guess, expert on the show. (laughs) And I'm going to be the one asking a lot of questions, but hopefully helping reignite people's love for the show through a fresh pair of eyes. And we can experience it together on the Starbright Project podcast. Hey there, Leapers. Welcome back to episode two of the Starbright Project. This is Aaron Moss coming at you once again. And with me, as usual, is my wife, Michelle. Hi, people. How are you today? So, again, we're here to talk about Quantum Leap again because, well, Michelle's enjoyed it so much so far. We've watched each episode twice. We're watching it on the, uh, I've got the Blu-ray set, which I'll talk about later a little bit. And... Uh, then we watch it again on the NBC app just to see if there's any real differences or anything. I haven't noticed anything really yet. No. But I, I know, like I said last time, that some of the music, like on the DVDs and when you watch it on syndication, they've changed some of the music because they didn't have the rights to it. I haven't caught anything yet, and when I do, I'll mention it. But right now, it seems to be pretty much the same. The main difference... Is the commercials. <laughs> is the commercials. Again, Quantum Leap was made with for, for network TV, so it had spots for commercials. NBC app usually plays the commercials like a couple seconds before or a couple <laughs> seconds after where the actual commercial goes. So it, it'll have a commercial and then come back in like two seconds of dialogue or something then it'll go fade to black and then come back in or it will have the scene it'll fade to black for a commercial it'll come back in and then within two seconds or so it'll play a commercial. So it's just really odd the way that they've placed the commercials in here. I don't know why I can understand it on network, on uh, syndication TV, just because maybe that's where they have the commercial, but this is on their apps. I don't know why they would place the commercial in weird spots when there's places for them set up. Yeah, it's almost like they're either being lazy or they don't care, but it's becoming kind of a running joke now between the two of us (laughs) where we kind of just laugh it off because, well, it's the only thing you can do is laugh it off. Yep. Title of the show is Star Cross Lovers and is directed by Mark Sobel, written by Deborah Pratt, 
Leap location and date was Marion, Ohio, June 15th, 1972, and the original date was March 31st, 1989. This episode starts out with a small recap of the last episode, explaining the premise of the show. The show starts when Sam leaps from Fox into a college English lit professor named Gerald Bryant, played by John Taylor that all of the co-eds in his class are making eyes at, especially a young redhead named Jamie Lee, played by Leslie Sachs, whom Brian seems to be having a not-so-professional relationship with. Let's just say she's most likely not getting an A for her writing skills. On the way back from his room, Sam sees a woman across the way that catches his attention. Donna Elisi is Sam's ex-fiance, that we later find out that has left him at the altar. Cutting back to his home, we find Jamie Lee, who is now telling him, Gerald, that she has spoken to her father and a guy named Oscar who wants to be her boyfriend about the two of them. Each of the two are not happy about this love affair and seem to want to kill the professor. When Al shows up, Al tries to tell Sam how he can get out of the predicament he is in and leap. But Sam replies that he doesn't want to leap and that he wants to stay and try to reconnect with Donna. Al becoming annoyed lets Sam know that the number one rule is that a time traveler shall not take advantage of his position to improve or alter his life. We then find Sam heading into the diner that Donna works at so he can talk to her a bit more. This is where Al informs Sam that if he proceeds with his plan, the board will pull Al off the project leaving Sam all by himself. Sam needing this moment to connect with Donna sits down and places in order, who somehow knows what he likes and dislikes on his hamburger. After trying to get her to look into his eyes and see his soul, he reaches out and touches her hand where Donna gets his funny feeling and rushes away. This is where Sam meets and is confronted by Oscar, who's played by Michael McGrady. And because he does not want his face broke, Sam gives Oscar advice on how to better woo Jamie Lee with quote unquote mushy talk. Once back home, Jamie Lee arrives through his window dressed in full Guinevere garb, trying to what we can only attribute to some sexual roleplay that they must do on a regular basis, hence the armoire. But soon he is able to chase her out by talking her down and telling her that she needs to give Oscar a chance. After her leaving, Sam and Elle have a talk about how Sam is breaking all the rules and is in danger of getting cut off. Sam tells Elle how Donna's father left her mother and her when she was eight. Sam comes to the conclusion that Donna's father leaving is what caused Donna to become a runaway bride and have commitment issues in her adulthood. And he can fix her daddy issues that might cause Donna to stick around and get married. Sam as Professor Bryant approaches Donna again and the two start to get closer through the 80s montages as he explains the theory of quantum leaping. Once again, Al reappears, but this time Al is wearing a weird sash with hieroglyphics on it. With some very heavy body language and verbal coaching, Al is able to let Sam know that he, Al, is being observed by the committee. We also find out that Sam has doctorates in medicine, quantum mechanics, and ancient languages, but not psychiatry. <laughs> Go figure. After a few moments, Sam is able to decode the sash that Al is wearing, which is telling him in a roundabout way where Donna's father is. He's at a Capitol, or what Sam figures out to be is Washington, D.C., and is he's still in the Army, and that he works for the Pentagon. Meanwhile, Ziggy is using Al's side of the conversation to decipher that Al is trying to pass these messages to Sam via those hieroglyphics on the sash. As Al is pulled from the imaging chamber, he exclaims that there is no way to spell, and forgive me if I say this wrong, Colonel... Whoa, you want to help me out, Aaron? 
Not now. <laughs> whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do the Big Bang Theory way. Wahlowitz in hieroglyphics and proof out. Poof, Al is gone, and I, and I'm sorry. Uh, all you leapers out there, I know I'm saying it wrong. Sam then uses the information to try to get the colonel to reunite with his daughter. When he calls the colonel and informs Bryant that he's leaving for Vietnam in the morning and it will have to wait until he returns because he doesn't want to open old wounds before he leaves. Sam, not taking no for an answer, and <laughs> not Sam, gets Donna and Oscar and Jamie Lee to join him on a road trip using Oscar's car to drive to Washington, D.C., and no one's knowing the real reason until midway through the trip why they're going. But on a bathroom break, Al reappears and lets Sam know that he was fired from the project, but in using his girlfriend, Tina, he was able to blackmail Wiseman in bringing Al back into the project. Al said that he had Ziggy recompute the odds of fixing Donna and the odds were really good. But if Sam does get Donna and her father reunited, that she might marry the first guy that she was engaged to before Sam. Sam and Donna arrive at the hotel where Donna's father's at, but are denied access because Donna is using her mother's maiden name and has no proof that she's related actually to the colonel. But Sam, not giving up, looks for another way in, and the two are able to sneak into a back door and able to find her father's hotel room, and the father and daughter are reunited. Aww. Meanwhile, as the security is checking the comms, Complex and calling on the lines, we, the viewers, learn that they are not at just any hotel, but actually the Watergate Hotel, and that there has been a break-in. As Sam leaves the hotel, Al appears to tell him where and when he is, which doesn't seem to phase Sam, for he doesn't seem to remember the date or the location. But what Al does mention is that while Sam succeeded, why hasn't he left yet? That is when we cut back to Jamie Lee and Oscar in the car. And Oscar, who has now decided to use some of the actual words that Sam has tried to suggest to him to woo Jamie Lee and take the advice that works. And the two kiss. And as they kiss, you see Sam leaping. Cut to the next scene where we see Sam now in a body of a boxer getting a shot to the jaw and falling down to his knees and a trainer yelling, get up. And that's where our story ends. Let's go and talk a little about the episode now. So again, I like personally I like how this this one starts out with them recapping what happened last episode. Just so you know, they don't always do this. Once they get a little bit further on, the opening changes a little bit, and they don't do this recap just like this. Oh, that was kind of getting. But, I was thinking maybe I was going to be spoiled by that because <laughs> I kind of like that. Oh, they still do kind of a because again they've only got a couple episodes under their belt, so there's only a few scenes they can fit in there. But yeah, usually the episode will start out with I say once they get going. With the where he leaps into, and then it'll cut there, and then it'll do the intro. The only problem I'm not sure I like about them. Now, I like that they show where he leaps into. However, I don't know if I like that they show during the theme song. Right. All the little snippets of, like, the clips of the episodes like they do in, like, all the 80s shows. Right. Because, like, for instance, this Professor one, when I saw his face in Jamie Lee or Jamie Lee's bosom, I right. guess you could say, it kind of... My, my mind already... I'm one of those people who you 
can't surprise very well because my brain mm-hmm. automatically jumps. And so I was like, oh, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. So spoiler, sweetie, you know, and well, get used to that. Cause yeah, the intro, they change the intro, but they use bits and pieces throughout the season on it. Yeah. I, and, I'm and just they, complaining. And they go for a lot of the, the, uh, sexual images, Sam kissing people. Oh really? Yes. A lot of the Sam kissing people, people get so the Sam. He, so they are so, trying to sell him as a sex symbol. I, I would I guess. say, so I guess so. Yeah. They're trying to ro- hit up the, not necessarily the romance per se, but the, the oh, sex. Yeah. The sex portion of the show. Hey ladies, come watch this. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And like I said, I forget when they exactly they, they change. I think the next episode too, they'll change the opening a little bit. And like I say, they'll start out with Deborah Plaps, you know, giving a little introduction, never knowing he'll leap next. And then they'll show him leaping into the new body. Any relation to Chris Platt? I don't think so. Because Chris looks very white and she is mostly African-American. Oh, or, okay. Uh, black of some sort. I forget. Like Creole and oh, other okay. stuff. So I don't, I don't think there's any... Relationship there. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. And I think she's Platt and he's Pratt. Oh, yeah, no, he, no, is he is Pratt. Pratt. No, he, she's Pratt. Is she Pratt? Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. There may be some relation, but... Ancestry.com. I I'm given a plug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I haven't looked into it further to see if there there may be some distant relationship, I'm sure. I don't know. But I just was curious. Not a close relationship, I don't think. Sorry, my nerd was showing. That's fine. And uh, so it ended with him leaping to the professor. This one starts with him leaping from... Rice into the professor. And that's why I asked you last time if, if you, when he leapt into the guy, if you could tell what the guy was. Because I knew he was an English professor just because I've seen this episode right. a jillion times. <laughs> and I can't remember the first time I saw it, what I thought. Uh-huh. So I was just curious what you thought. But you, you said you thought it was a professor too. So right. It was just the way he looks. So I don't think they did a job on that and let you know. What the next leap yeah, is going to be. what he's going to be. And that's what they try to do. They set you up for the next episode. Like I say, watch this on syndication or on the DVDs. It's not in the proper order sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the Blu-ray is supposed to be in the same way that it's supposed to be. Like, if you look on Wikipedia. The same way if you look on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so yeah, we got Jamie Lee. Who, like I say, all, so real quick, Bryce mentioned Jamie Lee. All the co-eds, as we talked about earlier in his class. Uh-huh. They all, they're all making eyes at him. Oh, they're making more than and, eyes at him. And at first, like he says, you know, they're looking at me like I'm, I forget what name you say, like Tom Selleck or, you know. Tom some, Cruise. Tom Cruise. And uh, so you think he's a very hot professor, maybe young. And then when you actually see him, yeah, he's an old, drunken, broke down professor. Well, well, hold on, back up a little bit. The first time you see his picture is when he's looking at his ID and he looks just like a normal professor. Right, not quite so bad at this point. In his, I want to say, 50s? Probably late 40s, early 50s. Late, yeah, yeah, an older gentleman. I'm terrible at judging ages, but it's an older <laughs> yeah, picture. It, yeah, but I mean, he doesn't look too terribly off the rails. Right. And then he goes and looks in the mirror right. and you realize that the guy is hard up. He looks like he could be homeless at this point and you could tell he's been hitting the bottle a little bit too hard and he's gross. And again, like I mentioned last time, yes, they do have the mirror gag band that almost every episode somewhere in there so you can see what his host looks like. Right. And again, you sometimes it's just a minute, sometimes it shows it a couple of times. Uh, this one they showed it a couple of times when they he was looking. They didn't need and, to, though. <laughs> and when Jimmy Lou's kissing on him. And Ugh. <laughs> you know, I thought the baseball player was gross. 
this guy was twice as like give me something good to think about like <laughs> well, that's what Sam's there for that's what Scott Bakula's there for yeah I know but yeah, yeah this guy's not supposed to be you know again he, he's a burnout drunken college professor that's, but why are these girls fawning that, that's well, we talked about this earlier while we were watching a little bit that, yeah, I think you made the most sense when you said that it's just he knows how to talk to women yeah uh, in D&D terms he has a charisma of like 19 so your nerd is showing now yeah, all, all the time oh, I know uh, that my nerd wave <laughs> But, uh, Your nerd fuck showing. <laughs> Heroes Unlimited is his beauty's like a one or a two. Ugh. <laughs> He's got a charisma of, like I said, 1819. But yeah, so I think that's what it's just he knows how to talk to the ladies and he's got the smooth words. He's got, as Oscar says later, the mushy stuff. The mushy stuff. So yeah, he knows how to speak the mushy stuff. And as Sam was trying to tell Oscar, women like when you can speak the mushy stuff. Yes, we do, actually. I can't speak it very well, but, you know, women <laughs> like it, you know. But anyways, enough about my skills in life and <laughs> how I'm at, where I'm at, however that is. Um, so, yeah, so Jamie Lee, and as she talks about later on in the episode, you, you said that, you know, she's most likely not working on getting an A for her writing skills. Yeah. And as she mentions later, when she's playing Guinevere, I believe it was, and she's, he's like, you know, shouldn't you be doing some homework? Well, I'm trying to get an A in English lit right now. <laughs> But what I find funny is she actually does seem intelligent because her, if you listen to her vocabulary and how she speaks, she actually does sound very articulate. Well, it seems like to me she, she reads a lot of that. Harlequin. Literature, Harlequin, and just historical, not historical, but Romeo she and reads, Juliet. yeah, Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare, uh, Lance a lot, things yeah. like that. She reads a lot of that, so... She's not an idiot by any means, but she's the type that instead of she's studying... Lost. She's lost in non-reality. <laughs> well, instead of studying to get her an A, she'd rather play hide the sausage with the professor. <laughs> but... Ew. And like I said, now as Al mentions, if Sam doesn't change things, the professor and her gets married at a shotgun wedding. <laughs> With a 12 gauge. So, yes. So yeah, her daddy makes him get married, which kind of ruins her life because, yeah, being married to an old man at that point is kind of... Miserable. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't want to marry him. She just wants to fool around. Because, again, she's young and dumb. And, and it's exciting. Exciting, yes. Because all the other women want him and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yeah. Man, you know, it's just funny. All the women in the class are like, look at him like, oh. and then when you see him, it's like, what the hell? What are you looking at? But, again, like you said, it's just his, his, his words are... Full of mushy stuff that's what Very flourish. Yes. And then, like I say, as he's walking away, he first sees Donna Elise, played by Terry Hatcher. Vava Voom. Uh, She's from, very beautiful. She's very she, beautiful. She was the same year she did Tango and Cash. I was watching that on TV the other day, and I had made a Facebook comment how she's hot. Uh, and then later on, a couple years, five years later, I think it is, she goes on to play Lois Lane on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. So, yeah, I think she's a great actress for what she's doing. Uh, but, yeah, we find out that, you know, he, we at this point, we don't know what his connection is with her. We just know that he knows her from somewhere. And then when he's talking to Al later. But almost even, but even though you don't know his connection, you know his connection just by the way he played his body language. Right. And well, his... and that's a very good question. Like I say, I've seen this episode of Mean Times. I've seen previous episodes. Uh, Later episodes, so I know who Donna Lisa is. When he first mentions her name and he's looking at her going down the stairs, what did you think? Um, did you have any ideas about what the connection was? I 
actually, you know what? I take that back. No, I didn't. Not at first. Now that reflecting back, not when she was going down the stairs. When you first saw her? When I first saw her, but I kind of had an inkling. But if I'm being truly honest, not really. But I'm. it has to do with our conversation about... That A and B. Right. Usually, so what he's talking about, what she's talking about is, uh, usually most TV shows, especially serial shows like this, there's an A plot, which is the main plot that's taken over. And then you got, usually have a B or a subplot right in the background. Last week, it was very clear the A plot was the uh, uh, Tom Stratton trying to break Mach 3, trying to save his wife and daughter afterwards, or Sam saves his wife and daughter. The B plot in that one was Sam's relationship with his father, the death of his father, and Trevor Beach's father, which ran through both leaps. This time here, we were trying to decide, and the A, I would say the A plot is the, the Jamie Lee Oscar slash Bryant love of triangle. The B plot would be, I would think, Sam trying to get Donna back with her father. But again, in this one here, like you were saying, the A and B plot are very much tied together. So You it's, can't have it's, one without the other. Yeah. You can't have one. You can't have none. You can't have one without the other. Because, yeah, yeah, they both rely on each other. I mean, you could have him trying to get those two back together, but they've got the Donna Elise tied into this so tightly that it's hard to separate this as two different plots. Because they wouldn't have been in the car waiting for them to be in the hotel, right. and they wouldn't have been that close. And so it's kind of like a catalyst. Right. Like so again, yeah. And like I say, Sam thought that maybe he was there to get back with Donna. But as we can see, and maybe that was a part of it, but the main reason we could tell was that he was there to get Jamie Lee and Oscar together because he didn't leave until they kissed. Right. And then you actually see his love for Donna, even his selflessness right. in love for Donna when Al mentions, well, what if she actually marries that other schmuck? <laughs> And yeah, she was engaged once before and ran off on him. He chosen not to do it at that point, but he it's it's like he took a chance anyways. And, you know, he's like, well, she might not marry that right. guy or she might just ditch him and then go with me. But he took that chance. And even if she did marry that guy, it, as long as she was happy, I think it would have I don't know. I, I think he could, he would have been happy for her. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I agree. He, he would want to be back with Donna. That was the love of his life, blah, 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 which we'll, again, we'll talk more about in future episodes. But he was willing to give Sacrifice, her up. right. Yeah. So her to be happy. And again, we don't know at this point because they didn't, Sam, Al didn't tell Sam what happened. He just said when that, after he was going down the stairs, well, you saw that before, you know, she said she may still marry this other guy. Right. So we don't know if does she marry this other guy? Does she run off on both of them still? Right. So yeah, it, and if Al wanted to, he could have gave him a little hint about what happens in the future. But for reasons I won't get into right now, <laughs> he left it vague. Right. And we'll find out in the future what happened more in detail. Okay. But but yeah, no, that was very. That's very much who Sam is for the most part. Uh, again, he, he's a human being. Mm-hmm. At first, like I say he said he said he's there to help Jamie Lee and Oscar. He's like, well, no, I'm here to get Donna back, even though they weren't together yet. And so he, he wants to go the selfish route there. But when it comes down to it, 
And Al tells her, well, you know, if you do this, she could marry the other guy. Could shoot you in the foot. Right. You, you could. You still lose her. Maybe not even meet her as time progresses, you know. But, right. But... And again, Sam's like, oh, still playing that hope card that, well, if I, maybe she'll, she'll be it. Maybe she'll come to me. You know, also, I get her. I don't know. Right. But he's willing to take make that sacrifice. He's willing to lose her. Right. Fix her. Well, to fix her, yes. And again, I know a lot of, in this day and age, a lot of people don't like when you say fix her because you know, right. she's not broke. But yeah, she is. And again, it's not because she's a woman. It's just that she has daddy issues because her dad left when she was a kid. It doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female. I mean, I've got daddy issues because my real dad left when I was a kid. Right. My stepdad was a bit of a jerk, so I've got issues there. So it's not right. a, a female thing. No. It's just uh, a crap dad issue. So, yep. <laughs> unfortunately, there's Sometimes too many Sometimes you're out there. dealt just a deck of cards that are not a great hand. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, it's, but, you know, a lot of people do get offended or they don't like using that phrase, you know, her, her, she's got issues or fixing her because they say, well, it, it doesn't. In fact, I just, I used to listen to another Quantum Leap podcast years ago and the hosts I used to listen to were pretty good. And then some personal reasons they left, some new ones came on and they were much more politically correct and they were very much more, well, I don't like that Sam has to fix this woman because she has no agency and da, da, da. But what they don't seem to understand is that's what Sam's, I'm going to say this now on the second episode, this is what Sam's here for. Whether it's a male, female, whoever it is, he's there to fix somebody. Somebody, that's why he's there because God, time, fate, whatever, deem that this, this, this situation isn't the way it's supposed to be. So whoever it is, pet Sam there to fix somebody. So if you don't like me saying he's fixing her, sorry, that's what and happened. And we're not politically correct. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm toning myself down here because I, this is a family show, but yes, I I am very unpolitically correct and that's who I am. <laughs> but anyways, moving back to the show itself and, and this episode at least. Uh, let me see here real quick. So yeah, so and, uh, Jamie Lee, again, with her daddy issues. Again, this episode has a lot of daddy issues, I think. Yeah, I would say so, even for Jamie Lee. Yeah, that's where I was going next because she uh, seems to be attracted, in quotes, to this older man who's like probably the same age as her dad, I would imagine. Yeah, and she even tells her dad. Yeah, and, and then she tells Oscar, who's this other guy who's actually pining for her and who seems to be very brutish and manhandling and like the polar opposite of what you would think you would want your daughter to be with, to be honest. The bully and... I wouldn't want my daughter dating a brute like that. And see, I don't know if he's so much the bully. I mean, it's just he's a wrestler, so he's very... And again, this was back in the 70s. Again, we got to mind the time frame. Back in the 70s, it was more accepted to be a caveman, if you will. So her dad may approve of as long as he's not physically hurting her. Back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, even start maybe in the 80s, a lot of guys were very much the macho, macho, the woman who needs to be shut, needs to shut up and listen to the man. The man tells her what to do. We didn't really get the more enlightened man, in quotes, until probably, I would say, the mid-80s, late 80s, okay, going into the fine, 90s. Again, I, I was around for this a bit more than you were, so. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so Bomb. what's referred to nowadays is toxic masculinity. Right. That was real big back then. And that wasn't called toxic masculinity back then. That was just called being a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the way Oscar was played was very much, again, in 74, or no, this was 72. In 72, I was two years old. So I can't speak too much about, but from what I might... I wasn't even a twinkle in my mother's eye. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, uh, maybe for what I was going to say now. But yeah, it was very much, yeah, back in this time frame, it was very much appropriate. Maybe not the right word, but it was very much looked good upon to be the macho tough guy. 
It was... It, so as long as he wasn't beating her, I'm sure her dad had been fine with him. Especially compared to the alternative of a... I guess it was kind of like he was like a Biff character. Yes. Well, especially considering the alternative was a 56-year-old man. That's an a professor. Alcoholic. An alcoholic. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure Dad would much rather be with Oscar. The star wrestler guy. <laughs> I know. I just blah. But. And again, but yeah, nowadays, a lot of people feel the same way in the last decade or two. But yeah, you got to remember, the, the, this show was done in 89, but this... this uh, I Yeah, I get it. I get time it, zone yeah. they're in is in the 70s. So you're going to see yeah. a lot. And you're going to probably see a lot of that in these shows. Okay. Because again... Like brace I, yourself. Yeah, brace yourself. Like I was saying. telling you earlier, we were talking about, we thought last episode, we talked about how far can he leap? What's his time? Is mm-hmm. it up to the point, up to his present time, in quotes? Or is it uh, till he dies? As I said, that's not really answered. The soonest to us he comes is like the mid 80s. So we don't know how far he can go with that. So if we're talking about the story. Right. And we're talking about how she, I, I, going back to the show. I really thought it was clever how uh, Sam talks down Oscar, though. Right. When he's got him up against the wall when he first meets Oscar. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. But she's she's really into you because she she's... Ta- but she, no, and Oscar's like, no, she talks something but about you. He's like, well, yeah, because she's trying to make you jealous. Yeah, she liked, if she liked me, she wouldn't mention me, but she likes you, so she always talks about me. Yeah, that was so clever, and <laughs> and I thought that was a really neat way to, like, talk his way out of it. And, and actually, think about it, it's probably true. Because, I mean, if she really did really like the professor and wanted to be with him, you don't think she would mention it to the guy that, you know, that's big and strong and can kick his butt easily. So I think maybe Sam was on to something there. While he may not have a degree in psychiatry, I think he may be right. Part of her does like Oscar because, again, he's more her age. Again, he's not as romantic as she'd want to be, want him to be. But I think there is, and that's why they were able to become close and, and become a couple at the end. Because well, I think that yeah, spark was I mean, there. Well, I think she was like, oh, you're so strong. And, right. You know, you're so big and all that stuff. She she was pining over that. It just, he she needed that, those words mm-hmm. to be, you know what I mean? She, That's what I say, yeah. So I think, I think that she did have something for him. It's just that he wasn't refined enough for her. He didn't use the right words like you were saying. And that's kind of why she liked the professor, because he did use the right words. And I, again, I'm wondering if she was using the professor to make Oscar jealous, maybe try to make Oscar up his game. I, I disagree I don't know. with you on that completely. I completely I disagree know. with you on that because I I think she might have been doing it for attention. I'll give you that much because she likes the attention. I think she's an attention whore, but I don't feel she would. She was trying to get like the jealousy aspect, unless she was doing it just for the attention aspect. Very well, could be too. Because I don't going and telling your dad and Oscar, you know, just to get the mad and to get the attention. It, that's the oh, he was defending my honor. Yeah. <laughs> then, well, that's. I mean, to me, that's another reason why I think maybe she did have a thing for him deep down because you know she was upset with him for everything he did. But once Sam and or Donna explained to her, they took what he was doing and explained it in a nicer term. Oh, well, really? You know, she, she was a little more attentive to him. It was all about the way they worded it because it was right. like book form. What's what I mean, though? It's, it's so if you and that's what I'm saying. She, I think part of her likes him. It's just that he was too masculine. He was too much of a, a, a man's man, if you will, for her. Mm. 
And that's why she was so, you know, because again, every time they would take what he did and explain it to her, take the, the Bruder's Thug uh, action and explain it in, you know, literature terms. Oh, really? You know, he's trying to defend my honor. He's doing, you know, oh, they do. The, yeah, you're all right. You know, so I think per, I think personally there was something there. It was just, again, he was, Oscar was getting in his own way, in my opinion. I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know. And we'll never know exactly, I guess. But yeah, that's my thought on it. But I can see where you're coming from. That it's all, And again, and that was just towards Oscar, towards her dad. Yes, it was definitely the attention. I'm sure her daddy ignored her growing up. He wanted, I don't know if she had any brothers or sisters. I'm sure he wanted a son. He had a daughter at least. And I'm sure he didn't give her the attention that she needed. So that's why she ran to this older guy. Why she was willing to tell her daddy, you know, oh yeah, I'm in love with my professor. And and if you find out in the in the original uh, continuity, her dad makes him get married. And usually a shotgun wedding means that she was knocked up and... Right. So, so yeah, I don't think it was an absent parent thing as far as the her father. That, I think it was just, like I said, I don't think he was as attentive because, again, back again back in the 60s, 70s, uh, 50s, it was more preferred guys wanted a boy. They wanted a son, someone to follow in their footsteps. And a lot of times, I see you frowning at me, but that's why, well, yeah, a lot of times, guys no, having not, a girl. I'm not frowning at you for that. <laughs> I just, I think you're reaching for. Oh, I very well could be. That's what I do. I reach for things. <laughs> but, I, I mean. But that's why, and again, that's one thing I like about this show. I watch it and I can interpret it one way. You watch it, you interpret it a little bit differently. Yeah. And there's no, a lot of times there's no clear cut and dry. Right. It's however, you know, I see it and what you see out of it. So right. That's cool. we both have very valid thoughts on it. Yeah. Um. So let me see. So he, like I say, he t- takes Donna and Oscar and Jamie Lee to Washington. Unbeknownst to anybody why they're going. <laughs> Oscar thinks that he's trying to get him and Jamie hooked up. I forgot her name. Donna doesn't know why. He's just, another, you know, he wants her to come along to help with uh, lost love. And she thinks it's for... He's trying to get Oscar and Jamie back again. That's when he missed one. Well, no, I want you to see your father. And he basically tells her how she reminds him of a girl he used to know that left him on the altar. And, I, you know, so he basically told her what was going on without telling her. Right. Because, again, even though he explained quantum leaping to her, having an explanation and actually hearing someone say he's doing it, has done it, is a bit different. Now, if you back up on that, even before they're yeah. on their right, I think we're kind of jumping the gun a little bit. That's what I do. Um, If you go back to the class scene where she's got all of her quantum physics and he talks about the smell of Bunsen burners (laughs) and all that and he walks in and he for the first time kind of shows her that he has more knowledge than just being a drunken professor. It's a really neat scene I think where uh, because the first time he meets her and he sees her at the, The the diner and he creeps her out. Well, that's a, that's a good point. That's something you, when we we're watching that, that's something you said. You're like, wow, creeper. Yeah, well, because I think we're jumping the gun. I think we're going way too far ahead in, in the actual show before we even get to the car ride. Okay, let's back car. up. Um, I feel like we need to address that because let's start with the diner. When he goes in and he goes to the table and he sits down and he's she walks up and they make eye contact, you could tell that she, there's some form of a connection. Right. Which is kind of weird, timey-wimey, because you can tell that there's something there. But like Al said, they haven't. He, she hasn't actually met Sam. So but she hasn't. But there can't be anything there. But again, I think you explained it best. Timey wimey. Wibbly wobbly. Timey wimey. <laughs> yeah. If it's a soulmate, and if you 
who knows, like, God, whatever you want to call it, or... Uh, God, time, fate, whatever. Fate, time. That's usually how referred to. Um, or what do you call it when people are reincarnated? Oh, or, reincarnation. Reincarnation, whatever. If there's some form of a connection, there's a connection there. Right. Whether, you know, they're walking down the street or whatever, you know, there's a connection, there's a connection. So she walks over and she sees but what's funny about that is that this is what bothered me is that she's not seeing sam right however his aura or you know and i'm getting all wibbly wobbly his aura his essence something about him spoke to her soul right into his soul because there's soulmates this is where you get that connection right something connected and hit her at that particular moment and you see it in the acting and in, in that right her facial expression her expression like yeah. she kind of zoned out just for a split moment and then they're talking you know and then you see her kind of zap out of it because she's like oh gosh it's that creepy professor that sleeps with all the girls who you know talks his way into the girl's pants because because she even says like i know how to get an a in your class without having to sleep with you <laughs> and then she says something about him drinking he's like no i haven't had a drop and he's like if you look in my eyes you'll see my other and she kind of looks at him and it kind of weirds her out a little bit but it's when he touched her she actually gets really creeped out right and so i it's like the electrical mm-hmm. energy or that right. touch you don't forget touch whether it be kind of like in the last episode when they kissed and it wasn't like her husband's right. kiss like she knows her husband's kiss you know that but see that's a little easier for me to understand because she's kissed her husband at least a couple of times i'm imagining i'm hoping well, she's pregnant <laughs> that's what i'm saying it, the, the second shot so i'm like yeah, assuming they kissed a couple of times i don't know but th- that's a little easier to to explain or to believe than Donna talking with a professor that she knows is a skeevy. Right. And, and seeing, again, in quotes, the soul of someone she hasn't met yet. Right. Now I get Unless that. you invite into the whole interpretation of reincarnation or soulmates, soulmates and things like that. So, I mean, right. and again, that's maybe what they're, they're getting at because... Again, Al's basically taking the same approach I am. Well, she can't recognize you because she hasn't met you yet. But then how does she know his burger order? And that's a very good point. That's what Sam's point. Well, she knew my burger order, the others. And Sam's basically... And she just rattled it off like, like starts, a robot. Right. right. So it would, there's something there that... Well, that's what Sam... They're, they're kind of gleaning, I think, towards what you're saying, more of the soulmate aspect of it. So it's a very good point. I mean, I, I always look at it from Al's point of view that, well, they, they couldn't really have a connection with him because she hasn't actually met him yet. Because you're so logical in your thinking. Yes, I'm a very logical person, and if it doesn't make sense, I want it to make sense, darn it. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm very much like Al on that. But I can see how, like you were saying, she finished off his order, and... Th- there was that look at first like there was something there so and it disturbed her so much that she actually went right. home yes really i mean if the professor was that much of a creeper she probably could have just said you know can someone go take my order right. i don't want to talk to him but it actually rocked her to the bones i think and right. she I went agree. home yeah it just freaked her out so much that she felt something there but again this is skeevy drunk professor i can't yeah. have a thing for him he's you know right what the heck yeah <laughs> when it said deep rooted feeling in your stomach it's that deep rooted feeling and there's nothing like it i'm out of here you know what i mean like forget it very much so yeah no i agree with you on that so then after that that's that's why i've got you here keep me on track see i'm 
I'm logical, but I'm also timey-wimey, so I'll jump all over the place. Because that's what the show does. It's about jumping through time. Yeah. So I'll jump back and forth all over the place. I need you to keep me on track and make sure we're taking this more of a logical or more of a, a chrono- chronological progression. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, if we're jumping through the, this like crazy. But Yeah, Jamie Lee comes in the window, dresses Je- uh, Guinevere. Yeah. And so, wants him to play Lance a lot with her. Yes. She wants so to play should we Lance talk about the armoire for a second? Because that was a really comical moment. That and- was in heaven. What? Al was in oh, heaven. Oh, I thought you said I was in heaven. I'm like, what? That too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, is, Al. Okay, listeners, this is something new about my husband. I did not know. <laughs> 14 no, Al, years later. Al was very much in heaven at that point. Oh, he, he was, was laughing so Oh, hard. my God. Can you? Oh, look at this. There's rubber. There's this. There's. <laughs> yeah, I, we were, it was funny. Oh, yeah, at first I was like, oh my gosh, she's walking into Narnia. And I'm like, oh my god, that's not Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> that's the adult version of Narnia. Yeah, that, that that's the version of Narnia that belongs on like a, what do you call it? Pornhub. There you go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, but yeah, well, I, hey, Al brought it up first, so. Yeah. He's like, but that armoire cracked me up. I thought that was hilarious. And again, so again, I, I've watched these as I said before and I'll say again I've watched these episodes multiples upon multiples of time so I, I know Al and Sam's character uh-huh. are you picking up on their two different characteristics I would imagine by now or what well, I'll tell I'm talking about uh, Sam's very much I don't want to say a, a prude, boy scout but yeah he's very much a boy scout very very uh, innocent a little yeah. more conservative yeah and Al then Al is like, dude, this is really cool. You should check this out. I can see him walking out with an adult toy and yes. like flinging it around and well, where Al's like averting his eyes or Sam. Sam's averting his eyes. Like, dude, put that away kind of thing. Well, like you mentioned earlier, when we were watching it. He was looking at uh, was it Jamie butt. Lee's butt. Yeah, Jamie she, Lee's yeah. butt. And he's like, hello, come back to me. <laughs> In the last episode, yeah, he was looking to talk about girls. He was talking about how he hooked up with Martha. At the beginning of the episode, he was hooking up that one chick that had a flat, trying to hook up that chick. I've tire. lost already, like, all the women that he, like, I've, I don't even. Plus, he's got a thing for Tina at work. And so. I think Tina's going to be a reoccurring theme because I think in episodes that I have seen, that name sounds familiar to me. So, I'm thinking Tina might be I'm a, just going to hear a smile and nod in my head. And so, say, that is an answer maybe. of yes. Yeah. Maybe. She might. She might not. But, uh. We'll yeah. See. <laughs> but, yeah, no, but, yeah, no, Al is very much the, the, the big perv, <laughs> using one of my old nicknames or to internet service, uh, big perv of the group. While <coughs> Sam is very much the Boy Scout, very much the, the prude, if you will. Right. In fact, I think Al, in some episodes Al calls on that. Oh, that's a funny. Or something like that, because yeah, that, uh, Sam is very straight laced as far as it comes to men and women, and, and or Al. Al's a bit older. He's got a little more experience. A lot of experience, and, apparently. And, <laughs> and we'll find out some of this in future episodes. What happened to make Al the way he is? I'll tell you that now. That we will find out in future episodes. Well, I've noticed, like, even Sam, as he talks, he's very, almost not childish, but sounds sometimes very boyish. Yes. Um, and I think, to me, that was part of his appeal. He was he was the Boy Scout. He was, you know, the, I don't quite say naive, but along that line. I get that. I pick that up. I pick that essence about him. Right. He's very hopeful and optimistic yes. and very, um, I guess, just optimistic and hopeful. I think those are some really well, good... And I think that's... And that may be part of why God, time, fate, or whatever picked him to do the job. Again, we'll be discussing this a lot more in future episodes. Mm-hmm. But I think that may be one reason why he picked someone like Sam to do this. 
Because you could, could you imagine Al being in that position? Al Barry would be very manipulative. And well, he would, he, he would bang Jamie Lee. He would, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, rule number one would be out the door. <laughs> rule number one would be totally out the door. He would be, he, that whole classroom would have been an orgy by the time he was done. <laughs> very much so. But yeah, so that's why you, we, whoever picks Sam, picks Sam to do it because Sam is more of the, the moral center. But did they really pick Sam? Because it sounds like Sam did Sam well, to himself. And again, we'll, and we'll talk more about this in future episodes. It comes in a little more detail. Okay. Usually at the end. I know it comes in more detail at the end, but... Okay. But Sam left, and if I'm not mistaken, the original plan was just for him to view history. I don't think he was supposed to be able to leap into people's bodies. So whoever took control, whatever happened, make the, the project go caca, as Al says in the first episode. Whoever did that is what's taking control of Sam's leaping. So they're like the button pusher, the red button pusher. They're the ones that made all this hoopla happen. And even if he did leap into the body, mm-hmm. when they tried to retrieve him, he should have left in the first episode. Or in theory, once he fixed Tom Stratton, kept him alive, kept the wife and child alive. At that point, if there wasn't something controlling him, he should have, as Al said, snapped back to present time, to his right. own body. But there's something, where at least we're getting the insinuation that there's something controlling Sam controlling his leaps and petting him where he needs to be to fix these problems throughout time. And as you know, I've talked about in the first episode, this series ran for five seasons. So That's a long time to be leaping. So, he, so someone was controlling, like I say, in the first season was a short, it was like eight, nine episodes because it was a mid-season filler. I don't think the last season was a full se- season either, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Not, I have to look, check, I don't remember now. But that's still five seasons of, you know, Sam leaping around, fixing right what once went wrong. People think there's God, time, fate, whatever, as it's referred to, is controlling Sam and taking control. Well, he said this episode when Al was telling that Wiseman was going to pull Al from the project. And Sam's like, they may not know it, but they don't have control of this. I don't have control of this. You know, someone else is taking control of this. I don't remember him saying that. Yeah, he yeah, was this episode? Yeah, he was He was going to get... They were going to pull him if he didn't watch it. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember and yeah, that yeah, Sam told yeah. him that, you know, they're not in control of this anymore. You know, something else is in control. Right. So, and again, yes, if Sam didn't step into the accelerator and try the experiment out, whatever's controlling him would have had the opportunity to control him, but they could have let him go back. It's hard, you know. They're, they probably are like, wow, this guy's perfect for this job, and let's keep doing this. Right, and like I said, we'll talk more about this later on right. in future episodes, but... So back to the story, getting back to the classroom thing, when he's walking down, he says, you know, he likes to smell of beakers and or Bunsen burners. Uh, And then he walks in, he sees Donna standing there looking at the chalkboard and she's got all this mathematical equations or whatever, uh, quantum physics or whatever on the board. I have no clue what it is. (laughs) It looks like Greek to me. Um, She... He goes and he adds a little bit extra to he her He finishes board. off the he, formula. Is that what he did? Yeah, he's okay. finishing off the formula she's working on. Because and as he told her, there was some part of it that she forgot to consider. That's right. And then he quotes some romantic physicist right. quote. <clears throat> and it was actually very beautiful, oh, to yeah, be very honest. Oh, so. impressed her that he knew, he read the, you know, these books. Yeah. He knew this stuff. He told her that he does a lot of reading or something. Right. And was pretty impressed by it. And says something about being romantic. That's when... To go to the library or whatever? Is yeah. that when the... And as yeah, long as it was a public, public place, place that she would actually go with him. Actually, no, I think they went to the... She had to go to, go to work. That's what So they went to the diner. And at the diner, he said, well, maybe we meet afterwards at the library somewhere public. That's right. That's what it was. That's what it was. 
And uh, so that's when the montage starts right. and that's when we see. And red flags are going up in my head like crazy <laughs> because I'm seeing him do, he takes off his belts and he does the whole rope thing. The whole string theory. String, string theory. theory thing. And red flags are going up. I'm like, dude is telling his secrets to someone who should not know anything about this because he's telling his timey-wimey secrets to someone who shouldn't know time travel, right? Party. That is completely out of the question. You must not leave this house. You must not see anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? She doesn't know everything about Quantum Leap at this point, but she is a she. She does work in that field. She does. So it's not if like if he's walk up and explain it to you. Uh huh. Knows nothing about it. She has a foot in that area, and it feels good for him to be able to explain. Especially since he's getting a lot of this bad memory back, I think it feels good for him to be able to explain to somebody that can understand him, and especially someone that he has such a connection with. So I don't know how much. And again, it, Al makes it come across as its company secrets when he comes down, you know, talks to talks to him about it. But as you said, an '80s montage. I don't know how much he actually explained to her about it. And I'm just trying to watch what I say, so I don't say too much because. <laughs> <laughs> Some of this will come in future episodes. Okay. And I will say this: the whole string theory isn't what he thinks it is. No, it's not. A, it's not as big of a secret as you may think it is. Okay. And again, we'll talk about this in a couple of seasons. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a second season. Jeez, I think it's the second season. Uh, we'll find out a little more what I'm talking about. Okay. So you gotta wait a little while. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but he, he does. Yeah, he, he he may tell her a little more than maybe he should. Because again, he loves her. He's got that And he's comfortable around yeah, her. Very much so. They were almost going to, they were about ready to get married. Right. And even though she left him, he still loves her. It's bedroom talk, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For intelligent people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then after the whole, that whole scene, I love that the next scene. It's when he opens the door and kapow, oh, and Oscar, punches, Oscar him the face. punches him in the face and, and he goes down. That's the commercial. Yeah. And then when he pops back up, what does he do? He punches him right back. I love that. Like, you don't see that very much. Usually yeah. people, when they get punched in the face, they're like, what'd you do that for? Down or, yeah. Yeah. But no, he just pops right back up. And, and I, to me, I don't know if that's really in Sam's character. Like, is that really who Sam is? I was going to ask you that. Like, fighting back like that? Like, is that really who Sam is? Because Boy Scout... But if you're being attacked... But Sam is... To me, See, Sam to is remember. the nerdy guy. Oh, he very much is. The wallflower guy that's quiet, who reads books. Right. Oh my God, he's like you. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I guess if someone were to smack you in the face, it'd piss you off enough. Yeah, that I mean, again, I'm back. not gonna. Again, like you said, I'm, I'm kind of like not as intelligent as Sam, but we've got some of the same characters. I like reading. I'm, you know, science fiction, time travel, all that kind of stuff. I just don't have the intelligence to back it up like Sam does, but. And again, much like Sam, I'm not going to go out looking for a fight. Right. But if someone walks up to my house and as soon as they open the door, doesn't say hi, doesn't say, you know, what's going on, just punches me in the face, that's going to be my first reaction is to defend myself and punch him back. So I think that's where he's coming. It's kind of like a fight or flight reflex. But at the same time, he knew Oscar, he knew it was kind of going to Well, he didn't know. He knew that, uh, well, no, he wasn't sure if it was coming or not. He had thought, because he gave Oscar information on how to fix things. And he said, if it didn't work, you can come break my face. Right, but again, he was saying that, well, he said that if this doesn't work, you can break my face. And then he laid out his plan and tried to help Oscar. Right. He was hoping that it would that work. would fix it and right. he wouldn't get his face broke. So I don't think he was expecting Oscar to show up and punch him in the face like that. I think either he expected that to work or maybe have a little warning before Oscar showed up and, you know, punched right. him. So I think 
that... And I wonder how much power was actually behind that punch because of the body he was in versus Sam's body. Yeah, yeah I'm you know? sure... Like Sam it's, thinking it was Sam's body, so right, like well, I, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, Sam I know what forgets you're saying, that but... he's in this old man body, and thinking he could punch Oscar in the way Sam would punch, or would it be old man Grady's punch? Let's put a pin on that. We'll come back to that in some other episodes. Oh, son of a gun! <laughs> we'll come back to that a little bit in some future episodes. Dang it! I keep on we'll picking up on things that we have to talk about later, and yeah, I'm just we'll, like we'll hit that in future episodes. That will come up. But we'll find yeah. out a little bit more. And like I said in the first episode... Every- I'm sure all these listeners are laughing at me going, ha, 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 lady. But, uh... What's <laughs> I don't know now, but yeah. <laughs> it melted your brain. But... You said put a pin on it. Yeah, we'll put a pin on that. We'll talk about it later because, yeah, it does come up in future episodes. Yeah, um, Oh, that's what I was going to say. And like I said in the first episode, everything isn't always consistent. Oh, it's one of those loophole things? That it may, one time it may be this way, another time it may be a little bit different. Oh, so you're going to fan And so, it. well, and again, I, I will get my explanation for anything that's wrong or different for the most part. You're going to fanscape it. Yeah. Is that, well, no, it's there. Sam's going through time and we'll find out in a couple episodes, like I talked about last week, the ripple effect. Right. And so when he makes one change... And especially right now, this episode, he's ma- he's making a, hopefully, a dramatic change. Right. With someone he actually knows. Right. His so, life. So, yeah, it's actually affecting his life, hopefully. Because now you don't know if maybe, I'm, and I'm just throwing this out there, he gets married and has kids, and now, you know what I mean? You don't know. Right. Maybe we'll touch on that in future episodes. But <laughs> well, it reminds me when I, uh, I work at the IRS for my, my real job, and... I instruct new hires a lot of times. And I remember one year when I was instructing, I was given like a crap. Oh, it's when I was an exam. I was instructing and the lesson I was teaching touched on a lot of other lessons. So as I'm going through, I'm like, okay, well, there's this, this, and this. Don't worry so much about this. We'll talk about this in a future lesson. Don't worry about this so much. We'll talk about this more in a future lesson. It got to be a joke. I'm just going to play your tape recorder. Don't worry about this right now. We'll talk about this in a future lesson. <laughs> it's like a kind of a running joke. In my class, yeah, I'm like, well, let's not worry about that right now. We'll talk about that in the future. Same way here. We'll talk about it in the future. Bah, I'm gonna in fact, I'm going to start recording that and just play it. <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing I like about this show, that things from episode one and two pop up in season two, three, four. Right. So it just all ties I'll together nicely. I'll have aha moments later on. Yes. I say, oh, I remember. Okay. Hopefully. That's what he was talking about. We'll come back and I'll say, well, remember... Episode two, when you ask this question here, well, there here's you your go. answer. So, so yeah, as we're going through this show, we'll see a lot of that. Hopefully, if I remember. Anyways, well, I'll probably remember because, again, that's a big thing for me. Yes. But well, let's talk about a little bit about when Al got pulled out of the imaging chamber. When he had the... So when he goes back, so they go back and he's talking to... This is kind of funny for me. I, I So we talked, I, I guess, I don't know if you mentioned that people have white robes or... Somehow no. I got this image in my head that the p- future people are in white robes. Oh, I don't you know misunderstood why. me? I said that Al... Sorry, back up. I said that Sam is in a white... Suit. Suit at the beginning. Right. I see that. And he look, I told told you that he looks like the Cats people. Right. The movie, the thing. Yeah. But for some reason, I was thinking that the future people... I don't know, like the doctors or whatever. Well, that, and, they, and I'm sure they, they are. They're scientists. Right. So I'm sure a lot of them do wear like white lab coats and stuff. But I'm thinking more like 
for an example, I'm thinking more like in the aspect of like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right. Outlandishly different white outfits. Right. And again, I'm going to take a quarter out. This will come up more in a future episode. <laughs> so when, when Al showed up in that white robe, right. I attested it to... And then when he said he wasn't alone, right? I thought he was in some kind of formal formal attire that he had to be in because he wasn't alone. Right. Well, so, if you look, you can see he's got, he's got that, that glowing pin under that, and he's got his regular suit underneath that, if you look. Right. So I thought maybe he was in, like, a, a robe of, like... A lab coat or something. No, not even a lab coat. Or, like, I'm thinking, like, a judge's... Oh. Um, like... Like a robe right. or I'm some kind you. of ceremonial right. kind no, of yeah, I, I can tell you, actually, we see in future episodes, we do see some of the people in the future. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that no, the robe was just to have the, to explain him having the... Uh, yeah, it was just the, a visual uh, cue for... for the, the, it was a visual cue for Al. Sash. I mean, for Sam. Well, no, it was a reason to have the sash, because if you walked in with just the sash on... It was a costume. Yes, Yes. It was more a of a way. flamboyant way to have the sash, is what you're saying. Well, because if you walked in with just a sash, that'd be very suspicious. Right. So we went with the row, which again. It all tied in together. Yes, very much so. So it wasn't I get quite. It now. Yeah, it wasn't quite. I want to explain it for you that may not get it out there for new listeners. Ah, okay. So, uh, but yeah, it was, the row was there just to help tie all that together and make more sense. He had a whole Egyptian garb looking yes. thing on. No, I completely thought it was. <laughs> I thought he was in some, like, ceremonial thing, yeah, with, no. <laughs> but with an Egyptian skirt right. thingy on with the, because the, I noticed the hieroglyphics, right. and I was like, what the heck is this? And then when... Oh, yeah. what's, what's that on his sash? What is that? Well, I knew the hieroglyphics, but I was like, I don't I don't understand, like, what's going on, because then I saw the bolo tie or whatever that right. he had with it, or whatever tie, like, 80s tie, and then when Sam... When, then when he was explaining that, you know, Sam had all these PhDs except for psychology, which I right. thought was funny. Psychiatry. Psychiatry, yeah. And uh, he's like, I guess not in psychiatry. You don't have it in psychiatry. like. But you have one in medicine, which we figured out last episode. Right. Quantum mechanics, which we figured out last episode. Right. And hieroglyphics, which we just found out this episode. And he has, what, six different ones? He has six doctorate, yes. So we don't know the other the three, three yet, yet, right? Correct. Ooh, kind of a mystery. I like that. We know what three of them are. We know what one of them aren't. Yeah. So. <laughs> and uh, and then he's like, I, I don't. He's like, I don't know how to read. Wait a minute. What does? Wait, that says. Yeah. And then he's like, the capital of Memphis. And he's like, you're being too literal. <laughs> and then and then I'm thinking capital. And in my head, I'm working it out in my head. I'm like capital. I'm like. Dude, he's in the military. It's Washington. I'm like, am I? And I wanted to like yell at Sam. I'm like, you idiot. Like you're, and I'm thinking to myself, you're being too literal, you dumbass. Like, and so like, so uh, Sam is like, and then he figures it out. And then he's like the leg and army and yeah. oh, he's the in the army. army and, and then when he did the whole Pentagon thing, I didn't get that at first, but. And Sam didn't either until he's like, Al's motioning, you know, trying to do a pentagram. And he's like, oh, a pentagon. And he's like, oh, a pentagon, okay. Oh, that's what he was, okay, yeah. that's what. Yeah, he was trying to motion the, yeah, the so five. Yeah, that's why I said I didn't understand. Like, yeah, what, he was trying to do the oh, five sides. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't understand yeah. what he was trying to do. Yeah, he was trying to do the five sides of the pentagon. Yeah. To let know where he's at. But I thought it was funny, the last part. Oh, my gosh, I thought it was hilarious. He's like, I didn't, what did he say? <laughs> There's not, why, I'm not trying to give him a clue. You can't even spell Colonel Hojowitz in... in Hojowitz? Hojowitz in uh, hieroglyphics. Yeah. 
Because you had to get that last part out. Because, yeah, again, there's no good way to spell that name. Yeah, no. In English, let alone in... And say it, Egyptian let alone spell face. it. But, yeah. Ho- Hoja... Hoja Wowitz. Hoja Wowitz. Yes. Like, hold your Wowitz. Similar, but yeah. not. But, yeah. Close enough. But, yeah, they dragged it. Yeah, dragged uh, Al out and shut the door on him. Yeah. And I thought it was funny because it almost looked like they were holding him. Like yeah, I'm some sure they were. They grabbed, people were grabbing grabbed his him. arms and dragged him out. And I liked that because it it was very much like for a new viewer. It was neat to see because it was like, oh, there are other people next to him. Because, you know, it's kind of hokey when he's like, oh, there's people there and you right, can't you see him. Right, you can't him. see him. But as cheesy as it looked in, for like 80s, it still made me feel like there was people pulling him back. See, I was saying the opposite. I thought it looked really good for 80s, but... Well, it did, but it was still cheese ball. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was very, I thought it was very good graphics for being 80s, you know. Yes. For show somebody that wasn't actually there dragging... Absolutely. Al out of the room. But it was just cheesy yeah. a yes, little bit. But, a little bit. Yeah. But I still liked it. I like cheese. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> you like the corny. But, uh... uh. But yeah, I just... I liked that. I actually okay. really thoroughly liked that scene. And uh, it, it really sealed the deal that there were other people involved, people involved that I couldn't see as a, right. a new person watching the show. So that was kind of... I liked that part. So then back to the punching the face. That's when we forgot to say that he had asked Oscar if he had a car. Right. And that's when he borrows Oscar's car. Or he actually asks Oscar, you was know... Wasn't later? Because it was after... It was after this scene when he, because he doesn't know where to go at this point, at that point. Right. So it was after this scene when he asked about the car. Yeah, we flipped him. We kind of flip-flopped Something like that. But anyways, again, it's time travel. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, he got information from Al, actually, of who her father is. Right. Where to contact him at. And that's, he tried contacting. That's when he made the phone call. Donna's dad. That's what it was. Right. He said, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave Vietnam. I don't want to drag this up before I leave. Well, when he calls him, he he introduces himself as a doctor. Well, Professor Bright. Professor. That's who he is. But he said doctor. Did he say doctor? He said professor. He said doctor. He said doctor. You watch that and say, I thought he said professor. He said doctor. I think he said doctor. Because, and he said, is she, is there something wrong? And and the the dad sat down. Right. Well, because he said, I'm calling about your daughter, who he hasn't heard. I don't think necessarily because he thought he was a doctor. It's just, he hasn't heard from his daughter. He said, I'm a doctor from. um, I think he said, I'm a professor at. And he mentioned the school she was going to. If I'm really saying he's a doctor, because I thought that was really kind of crazy. I'll have to watch, we'll have to watch again and see. Yeah, we'll have to double check it. But so th- we'll have to, we'll, we'll, we'll double check it and maybe add to the notes or whatever. Something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But, but uh, anyways, when the dad sat down, he seemed like, is she okay? He's like, yeah, no, she... And he's like, I'm just going to be frank because you're leaving for Vietnam in the morning. I don't have time to to pussyfoot around, I guess. And, you know, she doesn't have the capacity to... To have a relationship. Have a relationship or love. Right. And the dad's like, sorry, but I can't Well, that's what he says. So I'm trying one to Vietnam. Yeah. I'll do it when I get back. Yeah. Because I don't want old wounds being open right now. I can't deal with it. Right. And Sam, again, Sam thinks that's why he's there. So he doesn't want to stay around for another who knows how long. And we'll talk about this later on, but more about Vietnam. But... Yeah, he doesn't know how long the guy's going to be gone, so he doesn't want to stay around. Or if back. he's even going to be back. Or, yes, he could die in Vietnam. And Sam might even know whether or not he dies in Vietnam. Probably not, because he doesn't even, didn't even know the guy's name. So he probably doesn't remember. But it may come back to him, because, again, they were engaged after that. So, I don't know. Let's wait and see. <sighs> grumble, grumble, grumble. Anyways, that's when he borrows Os- talks to Oscar about borrowing the car. Right. So him, Jamie, and Donna can go. So Oscar and Jamie... Him and Donna, right. in that order. 
<laughs> me and Donna, you and Jamie. In that order? Yes, yeah. in that order. <laughs> so they drive for quite a long ways. They're going from Ohio to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Halfway there, they stop at a potty break. And that's when he learns that Al gets fired. Yes. Yeah, I got fired. <laughs> And got his job back back right away. Do you want to explain how he did? Nope. No. He, well, I like the whole conversation. He starts talking about how he got fired. And he asked about, he asked Sam if Sam knew, remembers Tina. The guy on the board that pulled Al off. Tina knows him too. As they're talking, Sam asks something about, did Al sleep with the guy's wife or something like that? And he's like, no, no, I wouldn't. Now this other guy, I would, I would, I would get fired for her. <laughs> and so he's like, no, I got Tina involved. He's like, what happened? And so he starts telling him about how he met this other doctor, this other uh, general, whatever's wife, at a party. And he started going how they hooked up. He said, no, not that. Had a that. good steak and some wine or whatever the case may be. No, not that. Not it's Tina. Like, how did you do with Tina? How did that happen? And so, yeah, so the, he got embarrassing photos, apparently, of Tina and the guy on the board that, that doesn't like Sam. He got pictures of the two of them together and used that to blackmail him. Because, again, the other guy was married. So Wiseman was the guy's name on the, the board that want, that fired Al. And Wiseman's married, but he also fooled around with Tina. So, yeah, he didn't want his wife finding out that he was fooling around. So Al got, a, got his job back. <laughs> and I like the way Sam's like, so you, you blackmailed him to get your job back? And Al first looks kind of sheep. I was like, yeah. yeah. And then he's like happy about it. Yeah, I did. Whatever it takes. Again, showing a little bit more of Al's character, which I think was very nice. It, very, it lets you know again a little more of what Al's like. Right. He'll do what needs to get done to get the job done. And what he'll do for Sam, too. Right. It, and I like to see their friendship and their relationship because there's also one part in the show that shows another really good aspect of their friendship when Sam, in earlier on in the show, I want to point out, he's like, don't give me those puppy dog eyes. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to scratch behind your ears anymore. He's like, don't give me those yeah. puppy dog eyes. So you know that there's this really tight connection that the two right. of them have, that there's more than just a work relationship. Oh, yeah. No, again. They're, they're very close. Yes. They're very, very close. So I'm sure that's going to pull on my heartstrings later on, and I'm trying my best to not freak out over it. And I don't remember offhand if it's ever mentioned who was his best man. But uh, it seemed like it may have been Al because when Ziggy, at the end, when Ziggy, when he told him that Ziggy said that they, you know, if this works, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, just uh, don't be, don't feel bad this time if I have Ziggy be my best man. Ah. <laughs> Which to me makes me think that maybe it was Al was his best man. More than likely, it sounds about right. But yeah, I don't think they ever actually mentioned that again about who was at the wedding. But that's another story entirely. Maybe for a future episode, we'll see. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, then they go to the hotel as we talked about in the synopsis. Right. And they, they guard doesn't let him in because all her ideas and her mom's last name. Maiden name. Right. And so he, he sneaks her in. There's a door conveniently left unlocked for him to get in. Right. And we don't notice at the time that it's Got tape uh, how it's been right. done until later on. But later on in the episode when the guard is looking yeah. around, it's conveniently been taped over, which is kind of... Well, it's convenient that the door, is at, the door that they need to get in was actually opened right. already. And then we find out later why. As we talked about in the, the uh, synopsis, they are at the Watergate Hotel yeah. on a famous night that apparently the hotel was broke into. Yeah. And we'll talk mm -hmm. more about that a little bit later on in the episode. Right. 
But and yeah, then so he reunites Donna with her dad, and they they talk a little bit, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna go to the car, and let you guys, you know have your peace." And she stops him, you know, and she, well, you know, if you were a little younger or older, or I was a little older, older, which is kind of like a weird to me. I mean, I know like the moment was there, right? That's what it was, just a moment. I mean, it was, but because and I think what it is, you may be reading, I mean, too much into it, or I think a lot of it is the fact that. For since she's been at the school, she knows him as the skeevy drunk professor, trying all the coeds' pants. But now he he brought these two young coeds along, get them together. He's reunited her with her dad. Oh no, that's not what I'm not saying. Not knowing the real reason. So no, I think, no. What I'm saying is, I don't think it was the right moment because at that point, I think she would have been too emotional and for her dad. But she didn't want to lose it. She didn't know what was going to happen, so she wanted to stop before he left to go out to the car. I think she wanted to give her gratitude. And, and again, since she was in that emotional moment, that was part of the emotion, I think. Just the gratitude for, for Bryant bringing her to see her dad. When up to this point, up until this car trip... I just like think it was said, a writer's was, rush. It's a possibility, because they got to get it done, and they got to get certain things done. But again, I, I think maybe I just overlooked it, but I, I didn't have a problem with it, because again, it was just, up until the car ride, she always thought it was the skeevy, drunk professor, and as, as they're talking, he's explaining the quantum mechanics to her, as they go on this road trip, she's seeing another a side of him right. that's not actually there, but what she sees, and so No, I get, I got, not, I got all yeah, that. No, I agree with you professor. there. I felt it was a writer's rush. I just felt like in real time, that wouldn't have been the moment she would have done that. As See, a girl... And as a guy, I, I, I was fine with it. But again, well, I'm yeah. a dumb guy, so what do I know? <laughs> Well, it also tie, I think it also ties into what we were talking about earlier, what you mentioned about the whole soulmate thing. I think a, a little bit, because again, she... She was comfortable talking to him. Yes, because she, she's not who he thought she was. Right, but in front of her dad at that particular moment, I just... I didn't like the placement of that conversation in the show, right. is all I'm telling you. And I can, I, can, I can see where you're coming from. That's all I'm saying. So she leaves her there. He goes downstairs, talk with Al. Something else we talked about last week, which we'll probably bring up almost every episode. So uh, Jamie and Oscar kiss while he's on the stairs. So he leaps out into a boxer getting punched in the face. Uh-huh. So again, as we talked about last week, this professor was in his classroom. Next thing he was in the strange room with all these people around him. They're interviewing. They're getting questions. They're asking him questions. Hey, we'll find this out later on more in detail what happens in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. But they're asking him questions of whatever happens in the future. Stays in the future. Next thing he knows, he's in some stairs. Oh, you're talking about... The actual professor. The drunk Bryant. professor guy. Yeah, okay, Professor yeah. Bryant. He's on these stairs in Washington, oh, not knowing how he got there, what he's doing there, where he's supposed to go when he comes out of there. Because he doesn't know he's with Oscar. Oh, and now he's going to be a skeevy professor driving from an emotional Washington. Donna home. From And how is that really going to affect her? If you think about it, what if he tries to put the moves on her driving home and now she's going to have to punch him in the face and now she's going to be mad because he's going to be that a-hole. Right. She's he's not And maybe she's not going to be and oh. <laughs> See, now there's the loopholes that I don't like all over again. And I and I know the, the loopholes. Well, I'm not loopholes, but like whole potholes. Uh, potholes. Plot potholes. Holes. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's like three in the morning, but three in the morning. Yeah. Woohoo. That's when our kids are asleep, so we can do this. But but yeah, like And again, it's something they don't really touch on much about what happens after Right. And again, there are not saying too much, there is an episode that deals a little bit with what but not all after, episodes. The aftermath. It? No, no, I said there's one episode that deals with the aftermath. Uh-huh. A couple episodes that kind of deals with the aftermath. And then there was one 
comic book that I remember offhand and one of the novels that takes one of the storylines and says, well, this is what happened sometime after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, but you don't really know about Donna in right, this particular state. Right, and we don't find out what happened to Donna right away. We don't know about... Again, right away. Oh. Yeah, but we don't, I mean, for instance, this drunk guy hasn't had any alcohol in a very long time, at least for a good week or two. Probably a week, I think it's like week. a week. And, you know, he's sobered up. So, I mean, who knows? Is he going to drunk drive and kill somebody? I mean, you know what I mean? You right. Just, you don't know. And yeah, we don't know what's going to... Again, that's just... And it's something Is else. Donna's dad not going to go to Nam now, and now they're going to stay there? I mean, well, you I don't, don't... I don't think that's going to happen, because, again, I don't think he's... I don't he's think got he's, his orders. Yeah, he's not yeah. going to Nam for a vacation. Right. Yeah, I He's been that. ordered to Nam. So, yeah, I right. don't think just because he's reunited his daughter, the military is going to say, oh, go ahead and stay there. We don't need you in Nam. We've oh, got it under but control. maybe he's going to go a different day or maybe he misses right. his plane. But you know what I mean? There are. Well, again, he's in the military. I don't think he's going to miss his plane. You know <laughs> they're they're very that. strict about that. Yeah. So, well, I don't know as if he's that. A cur- he's a, you know, he could always get a, a different flight. It's a possibility. But, yeah, and that's something the show doesn't really deal much with is... The aftermath. The after effects. And even when they do, the couple of times I mentioned, they do show us something that takes place after. Again, I'm phrasing my words carefully. They don't deal with it directly. Well, I say, I think one of the best, I say, was one of the comic books and one of the novels. I mistaken, think that we need to like, get a with, hold of whoever wrote these shows, if they're still alive or whatever, and tell them that they need to do Quantum Leap 2, the aftermath. And like, they need to take each episode one by one. <laughs> And, like, find people to, like, do the aftermath of what it all is. And that would be really cool. The end. Oh, boy. You're on a very sore subject right now. Why? The aftermath of Quantum Leap. Oh, boy. We'll talk about that in five seasons. Bombay! But I I will say this. There have been talks. I've heard talks from Donald Donald Bellarosio, the guy that created it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've heard comments from uh, Scott Bakula and also from... Oh, because both of them are still alive. Yeah, they're all still alive. That they, They've been trying for a while to do something, something Quantum Leapy. Really? Either a sequel movie, a follow-up movie, or Is there a, a movie series. out there? No, uh, not a movie. There's... Made for TV? No, no. It's Well, this whole thing's made for TV, but no. Well, there I mean, was, like a made for TV movie. There was no cheap t- t- movies. There's uh, a three-part episode and a couple oh. two-part episodes that you could make into a movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, there's no made for TV movie for this or anything. Hmm. But that's one thing they've talked about, maybe doing a movie or a made for TV movie. And that's been talks for years about trying to do some, and you'll find out in five seasons how long it takes to get there. Oh, goodness uh, gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> uh, you, you'll find out in the future at some point, if you don't get bored of the show and run off, uh, what the sequel's about, or why why fan, why fan I said that's a sore subject about the, the aftermath of Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah, we'll You're with, frightening me. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about in the final episode of Quantum Leap. But oh, that's, my gosh. That's for a couple years down the road. Down the road? I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Unless we change this to a... Um, Every two, two, uh, every two weeks podcast, I mean, it's going to have to wait a while. Oh, my goodness gracious. Even then, because you figure there's 20-some episodes a season. That's 20, 40, 60, 80, 80, 80, 90 episodes. Holy shnikey, so Batman. You figure that's going to take a little while to get through. Really? Yeah. And, we have to, and we're watching them two times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And again, we get the if we get through that quick enough, maybe we can do this again. We're still just for pulling back the curtain a little bit. We're recording the second second episode a couple of days after the first one. I think it was just a couple of days with the first one because yeah, she was very. Oh, let's watch the second episode. Let's record about it. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> so yeah, if we keep on this <laughs> track, <Poor> thing. 
<laughs> we might, as long as I can get things worked out, because again, as I said previously, I've got, we've got one other show, and then I've got five other shows I'm work, I work on, so. <laughs> and I keep going, why don't we do this one? Why don't we do this one? Well, I don't need one? you to do that, because like I've talked about, anyone listening to my other podcast, I've mentioned my other shows, well, I want to talk about Hawk and Dove at some point. I want to talk about this book at some point. I want to talk about this book at some point. I want to talk about this storyline. Animal Man. I want to talk, you know, there's all these ideas I've got that I want to talk about. It's just, I don't have the time to do it, so. And then I come in and be like, let's do this and this. And so, well, someone was like, hey, do you want to try a podcast? Sure. That's when he opened the door yeah. and look what happened. Well, I'm on, as I mentioned on my other shows, I'm on a Facebook group with other podcasters and uh, a couple of things about that. One, when she started wanting to podcast, I went on there and told him, hey guys, I think I made a mistake. The podcast bug has bit my wife. I made a comment today about we talk about podcasting and stuff and one of the friends of the show Rob Kelly's got like a million podcasts and you know I'm, I'm trying to keep, catch up with Rob and all his podcasts because he's got <laughs> some you know, he does a mash cast he does the fire and water he does a movie one he does a whole bunch of different shows so Superman movie minutes so wow. I'm trying to catch up with Rob with my show because I got all these different ideas lined up so <laughs> and then Michelle comes along with even more ideas so anyway so yeah that so- brings us to the end of the episode right yeah, I think so. Or he, he is thrown into the boxer. Well, I don't know if you caught the line he said there. What? But when uh, Al's like, well, because they don't know what's going on in the car. Right. As far as Sam was concerned, the leap was going to be finished once he got Donna and her dad back together. Right. They're walking down the stairs talk and they're not, he's not leaping yet. And mm-hmm. Al's like, well, you know, if that was your reason, you haven't leapt yet. So maybe I need a shotgun. And and he's, I, he's, I think he's saying I need a shot to the face or something like that. No, a shotgun. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think oh, he okay. said I need a shotgun. About that time, he leaps and he gets punched in the face. So it's just right. like the Canadian, the, yeah, I need something, and all of a sudden he gets punched in the face. Yeah, I think it was shotgun because he was referring back to the shotgun, right, the shotgun wedding, wedding. Which would make sense. See, I, I thought he was saying like a shot to the face or something because it would tie in with what happened to him. No, I I, I think if you so, go back and watch, I think I may have to see if I can gun. find the, the uh, script for it or something to see how it's worded because yeah. I'm curious about their maybe the, closed captioning on C. Yeah, the doctor thing and the shotgun thing. I'm curious about those two things now. But but yeah, and then he leaves in and he's, he's getting punched in the face yeah. again. I'm beginning to think like he gets hit a lot. I'm beginning to think so. I think he, he finds himself getting beat up quite a bit. Let's put a pin on that on the board here. Talk about that, you know. At another time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that episode. So, again, like we've been watching it twice. Uh, once just to watch it. Once for me to take notes and for Michelle to get her thoughts collected and, so and watch it again. My question to you is, though, is there a lot of episodes where A and B plots intertwine like that? Or are they more just... A and B plots. Usually there's an A plot and sometimes there's a B plot. It doesn't always tie together like this one did. Okay. And a lot of times if there is a B plot, it's not quite as obvious as it was last week or last months, last episodes. Okay. So yeah, but there is usually, there's an A plot and then sometimes there's a B plot. So you... Sometimes it is tied in, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's barely there. Okay. So today you asked me that question, which I thought was a really cool question just before we end up the show. Um, whether or not I had enjoyed this episode or if I had caught anything different anything different because last episode you said you caught because again your last episode you distracted by Grayson the first time right the second time you watched which is our five year old you you paid a little more. You're able to pay more attention. You mm-hmm. caught some more things that made. Oh, that made. That's why the ending ended like it did. Okay, that makes sense now. Right. That's why I asked. Well, this time you had a clear view the first time for the most part. This time here, did you catch anything different? Did you? getting more experience or learn anything new from this right second viewing and what was really weird is to be honest with that and and thinking about it 
is I felt like I got more of each plot differently each time. So I caught more of, I would say, if you want to label it, plot A, which was the Jamie Lee plot, more because I was more fixated on that plot because the character was so over the top that she really pulled my attention. Right. And even though I knew Donna was a very strong point and I needed to be... I needed to pull the details from her, which I did, because I knew she would come up later on in the story because she was a fiancé and I knew all of that. So I was like, well, make sure you keep an eye on that because it's going to come up later. Like, I knew all that. But for I knew that the Jamie Lee thing was what was going to make him leap. I just I had that gut feeling. So that's where I was. But the second time around, because I already knew the whole show, I was able to really focus in on the Donna stuff so I could absorb that. Right. And now I was able to get the, I would say the, the I don't want to say the secondary plot, but Sam's story, right. Sam's side of the story versus what he needed to do right. to get the job done, I right. guess is the best thing. So it's kind, I kind of like the whole watching it twice and I'm not that person. <laughs> And you know that. Yes. Like, every time I'm like, we already seen, I've seen Shazam so many ding times. Turn <laughs> off the movie. You're ruining it for me. I loved the movie. I don't want to watch it again. So, every time it's on TV, it's like, it's Shazam. It's Back to the Future. It, every time it's on the lawn. Well, that I don't even watch. It's just on the TV. <laughs> but it's like, you have your shows that you can watch a million times over. Quantum Leap. <laughs> but I'm like, turn it off. I don't want it ruined for me. So, I watched it when it originally aired. I watched it on USA. I watched it. There was two different channels I was playing on here last year. I was watching it on those. But see, now I can watch uh, Goonies every yes. time it's on TV. Yes. Um, I'm getting to the point where I can't watch Spaceballs hardly anymore. But I used to be able to watch Spaceballs over and over and over again. And same thing with the Never Ending Story. But those were in Princess Bride. Those right. are the ones that I can watch. But Goonies will always be one of those that if it's on TV, I can watch it. Yeah. That's a great movie. But but that's what I'm saying, though. The two two times watching it, though, I like the fact that I'm picking up different nuances and stuff. So just, you know, if anybody else is listening out there and was wondering how that went for me, that's just the last thing I wanted to point out because we did kind of lightly touch on the plot earlier so so yeah that's that's pretty much it just that last little bit I wanted to point out but well and you mentioned Remy Beckson I want to talk about quickly uh, the actors and actresses in here mm-hmm. I thought did a really good job I say Terry Hatcher she, she's an actress she's you know I say Superman take home cash um, uh that housewife show. Oh, designing. Uh, no, not designing. I was. Uh, that was the other chick. Uh, whatever the house. That housewife show was back in the nineties. Uh, I forget the name of it now, but she was on that. I so she too. she's an actress. She's been in things. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee was played by, like you said, Leslie Sachs. We looked at IMDb. She's been. A, there's not a lot of information on her personally, but she's been in a lot of bit parts. So I've seen her in a lot of things. She was in eventually guest starring. Or yeah, whatever. a lot of guest star roles. A lot of bit. That's why a lot of bit parts. A lot of that person roles. 
Like Designing Women. Designing Women. She was in an episode of uh, Lois and Clark. Uh, she was a lot of different, you know. So I'm sure I've seen her in other places. I just didn't pet a face to who she is. But I thought she did a really good job. Because as we talked about, <laughs> she was very much over the top. Very, very flamboyant. Not quite the right word, but that's what I'm using. Like we said, it was like, how could someone keep a straight face yeah. while they were doing that? Because... She was just throwing herself at Sam and those just the lines that she was delivering was just so over the top that, you know, that they probably had to stop filming every once in a while just to get some laughter <laughs> oh, out yeah. because she just. But yeah, I thought she pulled off. Delivered. That could have came across very corny, very, very odd. Yeah, and uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. That's what I'm looking for. But she pulled it off and made it come out natural. Yes, she did a fantastic job, I felt. And like I said, another guy, Oscar, I don't know what he's been in. I didn't really too much into him, but he thought he did a good job playing the dumb jock. Yeah, because I didn't like him. That's that's, who he is, but... Yeah, he did a good job of being the person I didn't like. (laughs) So he did good. Good job. So, yeah, so I just want to mention those guys real quick. And we didn't see a whole lot of uh, uh, Colonel Ho-Ho-Hitch. Ho-Ho-Hitch? ho ho Hold my Wojowitz? Yes. Hold my Wojowitz. Anyways, yeah, he, we didn't see a whole lot of him, but he's been in several shows, and he's, he's an actor, so. Yeah, I think I think they, the acting quality was really good in this episode. Well, good. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think the special effects for the time were, really, were pretty good for the most part. The only I mean, thing I would say as far as special effects was there was one green screen area in the bathroom that you could tell was a little bit wonky. In the bath- See, I was I was thinking about that when uh, Al was in front of the the Amar Amar the, the, the closet. Amor? The sex toy place. That you Narnia. Tell. Narnia. It was front of Narnia. To me, that looked like sex a green Narnia. Yeah. Adult Narnia. Adult Narnia. That looked like that looked like a green screen too. Yeah. There and then I guess you could say there was two parts because when they went when they stopped for the bathroom, and um, Al comes out and you the camera rotates to look at. Sam right. over um, in front uh, to face Sam. Right. The, the green screen was pretty wonky then. Again, so like there I, was two two times right. out of the whole episode, but for the time frame, I mean, it's well, like the talked about I talked about last week when we were or last a couple days when he was watching the first episode. You got to keep in mind though that this this show was made in '89. It was made to play on a 25, 30 inch TV. It wasn't meant to play on a 55 inch uh, high def TV on a Blu ray player. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So some of the some of the special effects again. A lot of that, like maybe the kid of the, the cold breath last episode. That wasn't meant to be seen really, but the editor who was watching, like, you know what? They're watching on a thirty inch TV. No one's going to notice that. Or they really? It's going to air care. once or twice. And no one's going to see it again. No one knows. I'm right. not going to worry about it. I'm not going to retake that footage just because he had some cold breath. No one's going to notice. Here I am, you know, thirty years later, talking about it and. Well, you know, watching on high def on my, you know, 55 inch screen TV. So they, they didn't expect us to do this. So putting podcasting the, about yeah, it. Yeah, putting on the interwebs for yeah. who knows how many people to, to hear about it. Hopefully a lot. Uh, but. At least five or six. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> Go us. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for this segment. Give me just a minute. I'm going to play some commercial breaks, some promos from some friends of the show, and we'll be right back. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. 
Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blah ha podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Can I get a tall chai? And a large black coffee. And I suppose you're here with no agenda, as per usual? On the contrary, I'm here for comics. I think I can help all of you. Hello, I'm the caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and I host a podcast called Coffee and Comics. On this podcast, I summarize, review, and discuss comic book issues, stories, and related media, usually in the span of time it takes to have a cup of coffee. Sometimes I'm joined by a guest, and sometimes I'm flying solo. So pour the coffee, take a sip, and turn up the volume as you listen to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and directly on coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. And remember, this is where the comics are never too old, and the coffee is never too cold. Sure is great to be back to from crisis to crisis after all this time. It's been a busy year for both of us. For very different reasons. But now we're ready to cover the post-death and return Superman stories. Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget, the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash from crisis to crisis a superman podcast.com. Is it .com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no dot com. Forget that. <laughs> so from crisis to crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From crisis to crisis, a Superman podcast covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman, one half month at a time, every Thursday at www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailitude.com And welcome back to the show. 
Now it's time for what's on Sam's playlist. This month, uh, there's only two songs for this month. Uh, We're looking at the top songs for June of 1972 from the Billboard Top 100. I pulled this information off Wikipedia. The first song we're going to play is I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers. Take You There by the Staple Singers. At first, I didn't recognize it when I just read the title, but then when I started to play, I'm like, oh, I know this song. Uh, this was written by Al Bell, using his real name of Alfredus Isabelli. Isabel? Originally performed by the Soul Gospel Family Band, the Staple Singers. It was released in February of 1972 and spent a total of 15 weeks on the charts. Very popular song for sure. Oh, very much so. And again, it's been used a lot of other places. Uh, BB and CC Wyans did a cover version of 91. Uh, Salt and Peppa used it for their uh, Let's Talk About Sex Baby. Let's Talk About You and Me. In 88, Big Daddy Kane remade this for his Long Live the Kane album. And uh, in 1994, a young Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake performed this song as a duet during the final season of the Mickey Mouse Club, plus a lot of other places. Um, so, Michelle, are you familiar with this song? Yep, and you know what? It's probably been on some serial commercials, too. And the title, actually, as soon as I heard the title, not even knowing that that actually was the song, that's where my brain went. So, apparently, I've been brainwashed to <laughs> completely think of the song, even though I didn't know that that's what was the song was. So, it worked. Yeah, apparently. I, I didn't recognize the name offhand. But, yeah, once I started playing, yeah, I, I remember hearing the song, and I remember, like you said, I, I'm sure I heard it on cereal commercials, and I, I remember from uh, Salt and Peppa. You know, I think it was on a commercial for either con- Country Crock cro- Butter or Cream Cheese, if I'm not mistaken. Possibly. I was looking at the uh, Wikipedia. It doesn't mention anything about any commercials. It just talked about the... All the different people to either sampled it or redone it or yeah, but I know it's been in some commercials. Yeah, that's a good song. Like I say, it was it was top for two like two weeks for that month. So it's a very happy song. Oh yeah, like it just kind of makes you want to smooth rock your body. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's got a good beat. And you can dance to it, and <laughs> as they say. see Jamie Lee definitely not telling the professor that she'd take him there, that's yeah. for sure. I'm sure she did. Anyways, uh, moving on from there, speaking of upbeat songs you can dance to, the other song that was had the top spot in June of 72 for two weeks was The Candyman by Sammy Davis Jr. Alright everybody, gather 
so that was the Candyman, uh, or ultimately called the Candyman Can, and this was sung by Sammy Davis Jr. I thought he wrote this song to begin with, but no, I was incorrect. Apparently, the first place this appeared, from what I'm looking at, is uh, in the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It was written for the film? Yeah, I guess it was written for the movie. And he's, did he sing it for it was, the movie? No. It was written by Leslie Bukowski and Anthony Newley, specifically for the film. Uh, the original book didn't... Let me see. The original book by Roland Dahl contained lyrics uh, for, different, for the different songs in the film. This one didn't have it in the book. Uh, the soundtrack of this was sung by Aubrey Woods, who played Bill, the candy store owner. Hmm. And then after that, again, I'm pulling this on Wikipedia. Apparently, Sammy Davis Jr. did it, which is this version here, for a Sammy Davis Jr. Now album. Uh, he admitted to disliking the song, find it too saccharine, but it became his only number one hit, spending three weeks in the top Billboard 100 chart starting June 10th of 1972. And two weeks at the top of the listening, and two weeks at the top of the easy listening chart. Can you imagine singing a song for the rest of your life <laughs> to a song that you can't stand? That's funny. I always thought maybe because I knew Sammy Davis Jr. sung this song, and I knew it was in Willy Wonka. Whenever I hear this song, I think of Willy Wonka. I thought Sammy Davis did the song, and then it fit perfectly with Willy Wonka, so they used it. Not the other way around. The other way around, apparently. I'm like, wow, that's, that's interesting. But if you put it in context context with the show, it's creepy. <laughs> kind of gross. It's like, here are kids, you want some candy? You know? like well, It wasn't quite so creepy, but you know, uh, no, you're making it's, out to be, but... I don't know. I just... It, and that movie had a lot of creepy parts and a lot of, a lot of spooky parts and for being a kid's movie. No, I didn't mean Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. I'm talking about... Seven years you? No, I'm, I, I guess I said movie with the wrong word. The TV show. Uh, if, you, if you're if you talking about like a teacher and oh. talking about Quantum Leap. Oh, okay, okay. I'm pulling it back in. I'm really okay, pulling you, in the reins here. Right Sorry. Yeah, no. I, I just, the whole like teachers, you know, me being a teacher myself. Did you offer kids candy? I do for good behavior. <laughs> they Wait. sit quietly on the carpet. Maybe it is creepy. <laughs> And I can see Professor Brian off, you know, you actually using that, hey, little girl, want some candy? Exactly. Never did. The song was in the movie or in the show, but uh, yeah, I could see Brian using that as a, a come on line, if you will. Yeah. To that's, some of those young It just blows. <laughs> and he's so absolutely just revolting to me in every aspect that, the, so when I was listening to the song, I'm just thinking of Professor Brian and I'm just cringing. So... See, Thanks a lot. The only thing I could think of is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I really love that song. Yeah. A little beaten. I just think of the Oompa Loompas and... Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Anyways, <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Those are, those are the top two songs for June of 1972. Uh, moving on from there, our next segment was A Touch of History. Uh, the main thing this time, I mean, unless you were not born or... Even if you weren't born, I'm sure you've heard of this one. The Watergate scandal. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes. But in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say 
that in my years of public life that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I know of it. I know nothing about it because apparently I was not paying attention in school. <laughs> you were looking at the hot blog. I'm sorry. It's somebody else. <laughs> Wrong one. Wrong show. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so a little, back, on me. <laughs> little background. Uh, the Watergate scandal was a political scandal in the United States involving the administration of U.S. President Richard Nixon from 1972 to 1974 that led to Nixon's resignation. I am not a crook. Uh, the scandal stemmed from the Nixon administration's continuous attempts to cover its involvement in the June 17, 1972 failed break-in of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., Watergate office building. That what were they breaking familiar. into? Huh? What were they trying to break into? Uh... They were trying to break into the, the uh, Nixon's administration, trying to break into the Democratic, uh, the DNC and Democratic's headquarters. For what? Let me see if there's information in here. I don't know. So you don't know either. I don't remember. I know they were breaking, but I don't know what they were trying to steal. So you weren't paying attention in class either. Yeah, no, I was looking at the blonde. That's a reference to our, our Voyager's cast podcast. If you haven't checked that out. You should check it out. It's really fun. But yeah, I know of Watergate. Again, I was, when this happened, I was two, three, four. So I wasn't born yet. So yeah, no, you were, this was before you were born. But let me see, yeah, so, and again, that's when our episode took place was June 17th, 1972. So Sam and them, that's why that back door was taped open like it was, that Sam and them was able to get into, because someone had taped it open for the break-in of Watergate. It was very convenient. Yes, well, yes, that's why they were there. Yeah, overall, there were 69 people indicted and 48 people, many of them top Nixon administration officials, were convicted. Uh, the name Watergate came to encompass an array of candlestone and official, I'm sorry, often illegal activities undertaken by members of the Nixon administration, including bugging the office of political opponents and people of whom Nixon and his officials were suspicious, ordering investigations of activist groups and political figures, and using the FBI the CIA, and the IRS as political weapons. The use of the suffix gate after identifying term has become known as a political scan- or public scandal, especially a political scandal. So what did they use it for Clinton? The what Monica they, gate? The, I don't know if they ever used it for Clinton offhand. I don't remember offhand. The I was around, but I don't remember. Dress gate? The, the cigar gate? I, I know Trump's trying to call... Obama's administration, the Obama Gate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Was it, would Trump's be the dumbass gate? Oh, sorry. I'm going to get disowned now. Moving on from there, you're very going to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> moving on from there, there was another thing mentioned in here the Vietnam War. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. Yeah. This started November the 1st of 1955 and lasted through April the 30th of 1975. That was a long war. Yes, and just to let you guys know, spoilers maybe, that we will be referencing the Vietnam War again within the show. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Location was South Vietnam, North Vietnam. Cambodia, Cambodia, Laos, South China Sea, and the Gulf of Thailand. 
Result, North Vietnamese and Viet Cong are PRG victory. They withdraw the U.S. forces from Vietnam. Communist forces take power in South Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos, the reunification of Vietnam, and this was the start of the Cambodian-Vietnamese War, start of boat people crisis, and the start of the Cambodian genocide. And this was the reunification of North and South Vietnam into the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. Uh, I'm sure you've never heard of Vietnam. <laughs> Sadly, I have. Also, uh, MASH, when it was out, actually came out in the 70s, early 70s when it started. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, MASH took place during the Korean War, but it was an analogy to the Vietnam War, which was ongoing at the time. Mm -hmm. See, I always thought it was the Vietnam War, and we talked about this, is the reason why they didn't make it the Vietnam War is because it was too close at home. Yes, it was too personal. If I'm not mistaken, Vietnam War is the first war that we actually had footage of. We, we saw some, you know... Some horrific things. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people didn't like Vietnam War. Again, a lot of people protested it. Uh, soldiers in the return from Vietnam was considered, you know, we'll call baby killers and murderers and... Well, they're just doing their job. I mean, again, I know that's not always an excuse, but Vietnam, yeah, that, that was a, a very, and it didn't help that that we lost. No, and that people didn't support their troops. Yeah, so. Who were doing their job. talk about the we'll mention the Vietnam War again because it'll come up in the show probably not much detail on that because we've already mentioned it here and we're putting a pin in it by humbug <laughs> uh, but those are the two brushes of history for this month there was uh, <laughs> as I laughed the Watergate scandal and the Vietnam War uh, any other comments on that you want to mention no. no just make love not war make love not war and that's going to do it for this episode of the Starbright Project. But I don't want to be done yet because uh, I want to start to figure out what's going to happen next. I mean, I want to... Can't we... Can you just give me a... You wouldn't give me a hint for the last one, so... I gave you a hint. Okay, bell bottoms. That was a real big hint. Well, okay, well, let me, let me check the handling to see where Sam's going next. Give me something a little bit better, please. <laughs> Looks like you're going back home. What do you mean? Well, okay, maybe not going back home, but close to home. Close to home? Yeah, we're going to Sacramento <gasps> in 1974. I wasn't born yet. Sorry. Oh, boy. Thank you for listening to the Starbright Project. Join us monthly as we continue leaping with Sam and Al. If you like the show, I recommend buying Quantum Leap on Blu-ray. You can also watch it on the NBC website or app. 
The only thing on this show that Michelle and I own are our thoughts and opinions. NBC Universal own the rights to Quantum Leap, and any songs that we use are owned by their respective owners. Any clips we use, we're using good faith for the show. I know this doesn't excuse us legally, but we just want NBC to sue us. We're as big fans of the show and want to share that love with the world. For more podcasting goodness, check out the other shows on the Headcast Network. Head Speaks is released on the first Tuesday of the month, where I talk about comics, TV shows, movies, books, whatever I want. But it's usually geek-related. G.I. Joe, Royal American Headcast, is normally out the second Tuesday of the month, where a rotating batch of guest hosts and I discuss the G.I. Joe comics and cartoons from the 80s. The third Thursday brings us Task Force X, where I talk about John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupperberg's Checkmate comics, both from the late 80s, early 90s. Finally, the fourth Tuesdays of the month, we have the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, where I examine the Will Payton Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comics, again, both from the late 80s. Then on Thursdays, I release my second batch of shows, where Michelle shows up on most of them. The first Thursday of the month, I'll be releasing the Starbright Project, a Quantum Leap podcast, where Michelle and I look at the greatest time travel show in the late 80s and early 90s. Then the second Thursday of the month, look for Retrospect of the 80s. You guessed it, Michelle and myself take a time travel trip back to the greatest decade that was, in my opinion. The third Thursday will possibly, maybe, bring another show, Voyager's Cast, where Michelle, I, and some guests look at the best time travel show from the early 80s. And finally, on the fourth Thursday of the month, I have Bravo Team, where myself and possibly some guest hosts talk about anything G.I. Joe related, not covering the main G.I. Joe show. Also, if you like what I'm doing, please check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash headcastnetwork. If you're enjoying my shows, throw a few bucks in the bin. It'd be most appreciated. But that'll do it for this episode. Join us next time to see where Sam ends up. Oh, boy. 